All right. So here we are back in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. I hope you're ready because here we go. I hope you brought your thinking caps and they are squarely on your heads and you're ready to roll because we have some good stuff to study today. All of God's Word is good stuff. Particularly today, though, we're going to enter into some subjects that are not easy to wrap our minds around. We're going to enter into this discussion today with a guiding truth that has guided us all the way through the introduction in verses 1 through 17 as we've been on this journey, has guided us into the theme verses, verses 16 and 17, and here's the truth, God is God and I am not. (laughs) We, We have to remind ourselves of that every single study. God is not who we want to make Him to be. God is who He said He is in the Bible. And we're going to see more of this God in the Scriptures today. So far in this journey, in the introduction, we've been introduced to a couple amazing concepts. The righteousness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Both of these wonderful topics have been introduced to us even in the theme verses of the book of Romans, Romans 1, 16 and 17, as Jim just read, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the just shall live by what? Faith. And then last week, it is almost like we got pounded over the head with some really bad news. Yet it is the whole counsel of God to talk of the wrath of God. We cannot shy away from this topic. We must embrace it. Without the bad news, you do not have the good news. The seriousness of the bad news through the Holy Spirit drives us to the sufficiency of the good news, the gospel. And so last week we interacted with Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed or is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the what? Truth. This is a very sobering topic for sure. But I do want to say this as a side note. I praise God for our young theologians sitting here today, working through this. Now, I praise God for parents, grandparents that are talking with their children about this. I received wonderful word this week and I couldn't help but just on a lighter side just crack up laughing (laughs) one of our young theologians this week went home and to his mom and dad and then grandpa grandma grandpa they were they asked him what'd you learn about in church today and he very clearly said we learned about the raft of God (laughs) (laughs) r-a-f-t something comes to mind like this It's good to process things like children do sometimes. 
what they're thinking through when they hear of the wrath of God. But this drives me to the other point is this. Thank you, parents, for taking the truths that we learn about here and going home and talking with your kids about them and exposing more and more and more about God. Yes, even his wrath. <laughs> the wrath of God. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, we find this. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This leads us, if you look in the back of your handout, you can kind of see a general outline. This leads us into the first major argument of the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, running from chapter 1, verse 18, all the way to chapter 3, verse 20. And there is a clear point that Paul is trying to make here. There are clear questions that Paul is trying to answer. And if we think about these two clear questions, here they are. First of all, would you wrap your mind with me around this question that Paul's asking or answering, I should say. Is God really fair in his condemnation of all unrighteous human beings? That is the question of the book. I'm going to tell you that we live in a culture that would have a different answer to that question than what we find in the Word of God. So here's the question Paul seems to be answering. Is God really fair in his condemnation of all unrighteous human beings? And then question number two, are all human beings really unrighteous? Okay, the emphatic answer to both of those questions is what? Yes! Why? Not because of what I say or what you say, but because of what God's Word says. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, Paul very clearly makes the case that all pagan Gentiles and how they are known is they're known as truth suppressors all truth suppressors stand guilty before God and then as you work into chapter 2 you find the fact that not only are all Gentiles guilty before God all Jews who hold on to their ethnicity as some kind of protection device Paul's saying all Jews self-righteous Jews stand guilty before God and if for some reason you don't think you're part of the Gentiles or Jews? I don't know who you might be, but you're part of the whole world. And so very clearly in chapter 3, he says, every single person born into the human race stands condemned before a holy God. Why? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the first major argument in the book of Romans, and this, my friends, is bad news. A righteous God condemns all unrighteous truth suppressors. This is what we worked through last week. God is not okay with sin in a culture around us that kind of tippy-toes around the whole concept of sin and righteousness and just wrath of God as revealed in the Holy Scriptures, we must realize that in the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, it clearly says that God is not okay with sin. He has condemned, is condemning, and will condemn all unrighteous human beings who suppress His truth. And catch this, 
And this is where we're headed to the good news. He will condemn all who have not placed their faith and trust in the propitiation, the satisfaction of his wrath, who is Jesus Christ. All right. So here we are studying some more about these truth suppressors. Who are these folks? I know there was some really good discussion from what I hear in some of our life groups last week. Who are these truth suppressors? Well, the short answer is this. This is referring to every single person, particularly Gentiles here, who has never been born into the human race, who in accordance with their own unrighteous nature from Adam has chosen to hold down, ignore, and hinder God's true revelation about himself. That's who truth suppressors are. And that's a mouthful, but we must realize that to some degree or another, every accountable person born into the human race at some point in their lives has been a truth suppressor. So the question arises, and I know this was a matter of discussion, can saved people be truth suppressors? Well, if you follow the flow of thought as we'll follow through the book of Romans, you will see especially in chapter 7 with Paul's own battles, that to some degree, because we still are in our temporal bodies, sure, we can suppress truths about God every single day because of our flesh. However, we must realize this is not the focus, though, of chapter 1. The focus of the chapter 1 is not saying believers suppress the truth. The focus of chapter 1 is to very clearly say that God's condemnation is just on the sinners, the unregenerate person, because they have suppressed the truth. We must remember in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We must remember that. Nonetheless, the clear point in Romans 1, chapter 1 through 3, is this. Everyone needs Jesus. This is simply what Paul is doing. You need Jesus, and you need Jesus, and you need Jesus, and you need Jesus. All the readers of this are reminded that every single person needs Jesus. Why? Because every single person truly deserves God's wrath. And now think about the argument. Not just the Jews. If you're a Gentile in this congregation in Rome and you're thinking through this and processing through Paul's uh, arguments here, they're thinking that maybe somehow the Gentiles can kind of slide by. Why? Well, they didn't have God's revealed law from God's prophets and they didn't have God's priests. So how could they have God's truth? And now Paul says, no, 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 no. They have truth. Every Gentile has truth enough to condemn them. And where do they find that truth? This is what we call creation. Truth seen in God's creation. Very clearly, this is what's known as general revelation from God. And let us see this in the verses on the screen right now. Romans 1, 18 through 20. Again, Romans 1, 18. I'll just read that as we head into 19 and 20 to set the stage 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For, okay, this is a because. Because. What can be known about God is plain to them. For God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. And now we have a dynamic summary statement to this section, and here it is. So they are without excuse. This is not easy to swallow, but this is the truth of the word of God. And what is this? Well, clearly, very clearly, this key truth, a righteous, a righteous God condemns all unrighteous truth suppressors. And now the first of three reasons why we'll look at today. Reason one, because truth suppressors have ignored God's clear revelation about himself. <clears throat> so where do we start? with this point. And I think where we start with this point is actually a passage, and I'm just going to reference it. It's on the back of your handout. It's Isaiah 6, because we started into this last week. We just referenced it. But in Isaiah 6, we get a, a, a picture of the throne room of heaven. Isaiah, worshiping God as the seraphim pronounce something about God. And what do they pronounce about this God in regard to His holiness and His justice and as reg in regards to what we find in Romans chapter 1, here's what they say. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. You cannot ignore that statement. Even though we see evidence of sin, brokenness all around us every day, God's glory still saturates his entire creation. And that's what Paul is saying. I believe this is the same mindset of David in Psalm 19. It's also I included on the back of your handout a passage to meditate on this week. How does David in worship pronounce this? He says this, and you know these verses well, I'm sure. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky pro above proclaims His handiwork. And it's just not like one time. Here it is. Day to day pours out speech. And night to night reveals knowledge. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times we've been on a, a camp out. And we've been looking up into the skies. And we'll stop and we'll say, what is God yelling out right now? He is really big and He deserves all the glory. That's what David's saying in Psalm 19, verse 3. There is no speech, and there, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. And then he goes on about the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. Which, by the way, how many days since creation has the sun come out of his chamber like a bridegroom? Everyone, every single day since creation, the sun has come out. 
Like a strong man runs its course with joy through the skies. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So what's the point? Okay, if you can't see the sun, you can feel the sun. Every single person in the human race has knowledge that they can attach themselves to. And here's this knowledge, as we'll see in Romans 1. There is a God, and He's really, really powerful. I believe this is what Paul does in Acts chapter 14 to those in Lystra, the worshipers of false gods in Acts 14, 17. I believe this is where Paul goes in Acts 17 and Mars Hill, referencing the rain and referencing the creator God who gives all things. This is this general revelation that we have from God himself. Every single day, God's created order is giving us information about God and his glory. So let's look further at this information from Romans 1. This information he gives to the church of Rome. First of all, notice this. This is information about God that can be clearly or plainly observed. What does verse 19 say? For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. This concept of plain to them. In other words, it is observable. It's visible. In other words, it's out there in the open for everyone to see. It's not hidden. It's not like this devious God is saying, you can't know anything about me. Seek me and find me. If you can, you can't ever find me out here. Some translators will actually take this plain to them. Uh, And actually, in a sufficient way, it can be sufficiently argued this way, manifest or evident in them or within them. Some of your translations would say that. And and, and then the argument would be made for God's work in the conscience. I think that's a great argument. I I don't, however, think that's the argument here in this verse. I think you find that argument in chapter 2. But I think what he's saying here, based on actually the context the immediate context, and also what's called the dative case here. I think what he's saying to them is, God has revealed himself plainly to you, among you. It's all around you. And who has he shown this truth to? Well, clearly, to truth suppressors. What is out in the open to all truth suppressors? The first phrase. What can be known about God is plain to them. These observable facts are about God himself. There's a lot more to that question that we'll analyze in just a little bit in the next couple verses, but I want us to go to the who. Who has shown these observable facts to the truth suppressors? Would you look with me at the last phrase of verse 19? Because God has shown it to them. Paul, through the Spirit, wants to be crystal clear that God is the one who has exposed observable facts about himself to man. This is so good because this is not random. This is not some random thoughts. God himself wants to reveal himself and his divine nature to his creations. It's an intentional plan of Almighty God. So, through general revelation... 
through the creation around us, we have information about God that can be clearly observed. It's not hidden. There's something else here, though. This is information that can be clearly perceived. Catch this. Not just observed, but perceived. Verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely, that's a very important word, phrase coming up, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. In other words, they're able to be grasped, capable of being understood. And what about God can be clearly perceived? Paul doesn't hide it through the Spirit. We have it in the text. Namely, he says, his divine attributes, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived. My friends, there is a powerful God, a powerful creator and sustainer of all life. And he, in fact, is God. To get right to the point, every single person ever created can look at creation around them and clearly understand two primary truths. What are these truths? Even if you ignore it and you claim to somehow, illogically, because it doesn't match, somehow say that you're an atheist. You look out into creation, you have to come to this conclusion. Two things. There is a God, and He is really, 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 really powerful. That's what Paul says in this passage. And how are these attributes of God clearly perceived? The last phrase, in the things that have been made. This verse comes... Uh, this phrase, I love this, comes from a really cool word. The word for make here, or made here, is the word poema. <laughs> Even if you see it, you see it's really cool because it looks a lot like poem. And I don't want to take this and run with it too far. But I love the connections here. From the same Greek word, we get the root for poem. I, I love on occasion listening to John Piper, a man who loves God with his whole heart, whose life has been devoted to writing and proclaiming God's truths in a sermon on this text in 1998. Listen to to how he explains this. I, I love this. He says this, what does God do to make himself evident? He made the world. He created like a potter or a sculptor or a poet, except he created out of nothing. When verse 20 says that God is understood through what he has been made, the words what has been made stand for one Greek word, poema. It is the word from which we get poem. The universe and everything in it is God's work of art. What's the point of this word? The point is that in a poem, there, are, there is manifest design and intention and wisdom and power. The wind might create a letter in the sand, but not a poem. That's the point. God acted. God planned. God designed. God crafted. He created and made. And in that 
In doing that, God made himself evident to all mankind. The universe is a poem about God. I love that. My friends at Cross Point Community Church, this is so good. If we were to jump in our cars today and take a, a drive over to the coast, walk together on the, on the beach in the sand and see a poem written in the sand, we would not say something like, wow, these waves are pretty detailed with their poem writing. We, we would clearly not say, where is the brilliant bird who took the time to write this poem? We would not say, the wind must have been spectacular this week to create this poem. No! Along with every other intelligible human being, we would be inclined to say, wow, someone creative has been here and has done this. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that is exactly what creation all around us is yelling out every single day. There's a grand designer who has done this. Don't ignore it. There is an eternal God, and He is powerful. By the way, this is why there's technically not a single person who can claim to be a legitimate atheist. Just a legitimate truth suppressor. There's more to this information about God. This is information about God that can be clearly perceived, or plainly observed, clearly perceived. Now we need to find out another aspect of this information about God, and I love it. It's in this phrase, ever since the creation of the world. So this is information about God that has been consistently exposed. Not a single day since creation has this information been hidden. It's clear, it's out there. Even through the effects of a broken world and broken by sin, there has never been a time since God created this world that God's creation stopped yelling out, there's a God and He is powerful. You might add, well, what about the flood? Oh boy, what other expression of power than the flood? You might add any one of the phenomenons in creation, the created order. And I would say every single one of them is yelling out, there's a God, and He is massively powerful. I mean, just think with me for a minute. What has been yelling out since creation? Think about the luminaries. We're talking about the sun and the moon and the stars, the constellations, the orbits, even how they impact the seas, the, the tides. And what are they yelling out? All of them as you look up into the skies. There's a God, and He's powerful and you are accountable to Him. Okay, let's think beyond the luminaries. Think about the seasons and the weather. We're talking about the cold, and we're talking about the heat. Uh, even in May and Reading, wind and rain and lightning and thunder. You know what they're all yelling out? There's a God, and He's powerful. Think about the human body, the function and sustainability of living organisms, particularly the human body. You are a miracle from God. What is happening inside your body right now is a miracle from Almighty God. Your DNA, your chromosome, your cells. Even think about what's happening on the outside of your body. Your skin. I mean, think about every month, your skin replaces itself. 
How does that happen? It's a poem from God. He is doing this in you. Think about that heart that's beating in your chest right now, beating 100,000 times every single day. What did you do to make that happen? It is a poem from Almighty God saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. That's what your heartbeat is doing. Think about my brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about this with me. Your blood flowing through 100,000 miles of vessels in your body right now, all of them yelling out, there's a God, and He is big, and He is sustaining my life right now. My friends, there's a God, and He is big, and He's shouting this out to us every single day of our lives. You cannot help but yell out with David in Psalm 139, a passage we prayed this morning. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it so well. Truth suppressors have received information about God that can be plainly observed. Information about God that can be clearly perceived. Information about God that has been consistently exposed. Now let's not... Ignore the sobriety of this information. Information that comes with sobering accountability. Clearly, in the last phrase of this verse that we cannot ignore or white out, and here's the phrase, so they are without excuse. The clear result of God's general revelation about himself is this, they are without excuse. There is no defense, there is no alibi, there is no good explanation or argument against because of God's clear revelation of himself, all truth suppressors are without excuse. They stand condemned before a holy God and deserve the wrath of an almighty God. Friends, brothers and sisters, that's the Bible. Pastoral and theological clarity is in order at this point. We must remind ourselves of the biblical truth about general revelation. As we work through scriptures, although general revelation is sufficient for the knowledge about God, it is insufficient to teach us what we need to know about salvation. Please catch that. Last night, my wife and I were on a little bit of a walk. We looked up and saw a wonderful sunset. God is big. You know what that sunset can't tell me? That Jesus went to the cross and died for my sins. So although general revelation is sufficient to bring an excusable condemnation, it is insufficient for a full knowledge of Jesus. It's sufficient for condemnation. It's insufficient for full knowledge of Jesus. We have to understand that. That is why we have What we have in our laps right now, this is called specific revelation of God. That is why when we get to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we're going to find this verse. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. God has gifted us with that Word on our laps right now to show us that yes, He's big, yes, He's powerful, but His power is expressed to us in the person and work of a beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. 
The fact of the matter is this. In order to be rescued, we need more information than general natural revelation can provide us. We need specific information about Jesus. We desperately need God's word to expose to us who we really are, while at the same time exposing to us who Jesus actually is. Uh, uh, We need the book of Romans. (laughs) We need it. He said, you already made it through the enticing introduction. Yes, but every one of these verses is saying, you need this. You need God's word. It's sufficient. It's like a student who sits down to take a final exam. I know some students in here are taking final exams this week, and we are praying God's grace for you. (laughs) Imagine yourself sitting down for a final exam, and you've only received partial information. You cannot pass the test with the information you have received. However, you know that you have a wonderful teacher who designed all the questions, who knows all the answers, who in fact on the test and in person has told you, compelled you to come ask, and who will graciously share the answers with you. So what must we do? Well, What must you do? You better stop wasting your time looking elsewhere, for sure, for the answers. You better follow the wonderful teacher's promptings. You better believe that your teacher has the correct answers, and you better raise your hand and ask. That's the beauty of the Word of God. So what? By faith, we must ask this question, have you responded to God's revelation about himself? Have you suppressed God's truth about himself and creation around you ever since you were a little critter critter looking up into the skies thinking that is so big? Looking up into the blue skies thinking there is no known end to that? However, this is something that God has, Almighty God, in the span of his hand. Have you suppressed this truth about God? Setting yourself up for condemnation? Or have you embraced God's truth about himself and creation and found further specific revelation about Jesus in the word of God? Friend, it's it's no mistake you're here. If you've never come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, you've observed, even if you try to ignore it, you've observed your whole life that there's a God and he is powerful no mistake that God Almighty has drawn you to worship corporately today to hear the good news of Jesus Christ the assurance of the scriptures is this as you respond to God's call and embrace God's general revelation he will provide the means for you to receive his specific revelation about Jesus you find that through the scriptures it's wonderful by faith Will you respond to God's general revelation about himself? But beyond that, and in tune with that, by faith have you received the rescuer, Jesus Christ, who I am here today to tell you that this Jesus is beautiful. He's wonderful. He is a great Savior. He's the perfect God-man who came to earth, born miraculously, lived sinlessly, served selflessly, suffered sacrificially, rose victoriously, 
Why? To save a sinner like me. Jesus Christ did that to save your soul. By faith, will you receive this rescuer? God's creation around you is shouting out, there's a powerful God. And this powerful God, through the Holy Word, is shouting to you right now, you need Jesus. The the point question today is, would you stop suppressing the truth and place your faith in Jesus Christ today? Lastly, and this is not on your notes, but I would ask this question. By faith, do you unashamedly point people to God through his creation? So this is directed more to those who, Romans 8, 1 believers, who are not under condemnation anymore because you've come to Jesus by faith. Well, here's the question I have for you. By faith, do you unashamedly point people to God every single day through his creation? Seriously, don't shy from this. In a world full of truth suppressors who want to drastically undermine God's power to create. We're talking about creative theories of existence and impossible claims of atheism. Oh, this week, my friend, my brother and sister in Christ, will you unashamedly embrace the fact that we started with in Isaiah 6? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Would you proclaim that to somebody this week? Would you, by God's grace, proclaim this week with David, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky shows His handiwork. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, someone today needs to be directed to this powerful God who has blessed us with Jesus Christ, the propitiation for our sins. And so, God, this morning we come to you overwhelmed with these truths. Oh, God, you know my heart this week. Returning to this passage every single day, astonished. Reminding myself regularly that you are God and I am not. Reminding myself regularly that you are not who I think you should be. You are who you said you are. And I pray today, Father, that you would help us all in this room to come to this realization. It is not a mistake that we're here today, God. And I pray that by your grace, some today in this room would receive you as their Savior and Lord. They would call to you in faith and repentance. And then I pray today, Father, that believers, followers of you would leave this building today confident with the fact that the creation's got their back. Creation is big and creation is shouting out your glory. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, there was a lot we looked at today and actually we scratched the surface on some of these dynamic truths. Nonetheless, the point was clear. God condemns all truth suppressors because truth suppressors have ignored God's clear revelation about himself. And so the question today for you is this. Have you ignored God's clear revelation about himself? Maybe you're fighting it with every fiber of your being. You're wrestling with it in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. 
And I'm going to tell you, the reason why people wrestle with this and come up with creative theories against it is not hidden. It's because if they truly do acknowledge that there's a God and He is powerful, then you must submit to His Lordship. If you truly believe there's a Creator God who created you, you must submit your will to this God. And maybe that wrestling match is going on in your mind right now, and I would encourage you, don't delay. As a young 10-year-old boy, I remember wrestling with these truths. And I praise God for October 10th, 1989. When the blindfold was taking off my eyes and I saw Jesus for who he was, and in faith and repentance I came to Jesus, who saved my soul. And then every day since then, God Almighty has been growing me by His grace. Not that there hasn't been hurdles, ups and downs and all arounds. Praise God for His grace. My question for you today is this. Have you responded to Jesus Christ? The drawing of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to belabor this, but if God's tugging on your soul right now, this effectual call of salvation better respond because you will respond would you come to him today would you come to this jesus in just a minute there'll be those at the front who would love to talk with you more about this i'm going to be hanging around here today for a short time well usually longer Come talk to me. Come talk to any one of the elders. We would love to show you more about this beautiful Jesus who gave his life for your eternal redemption. For those of you who are sitting here thinking, I need to be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God. This week, would you pray that you would be unashamed to look around you and point, to point people to how big your God is, how great he is, 